I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message. Our scripture this morning is from 1 Peter 3, 13-17. It says, Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid for the threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what good of a life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. a teenage boy and he had just gotten his driver's license one of those milestones of life and he asked his father when can I use the car well his dad decided to take this opportunity to get some changes made he said okay as soon as you bring up your math grade you start reading the Bible and you get a haircut you can use the car Well, six weeks later, his son had brought up the math grade, had gone up. He had noticeably been reading the Bible, but he still didn't have a haircut. 
And when his father asked him about it, he said, oh, you know, Dad, I, I did just what you asked. And he said, well, what about the haircut? And his son said, well, you know, I've been reading the Bible, and in the Bible, Samson had long hair. So did Moses. In the New Testament, John the Baptist and even Jesus' dad had long hair. And his father said, you are absolutely right. And they walked everywhere they went. <laughs> we can come up with all kinds of excuses to avoid what we don't want to do, right? Avoid getting a haircut. We can justify it all kinds of ways. And within the church family, one of those things that we avoid that we have a whole array of excuses for is evangelism. It's one of those words that even clergy kind of cringe from. I have a friend, a pastor, who in her church, she said, I now call it the E word. She said, I used to try to set up, when I go into the church, set up an evangelism committee. She said, nobody showed up, not one. She said, I offered the very same thing to the folks in the church, but I called it sharing hope. She said, the room was full. We come up with all kinds of excuses, though, whatever we call it, to just not have to do this. You know, there's, there's a generation gap, or maybe there's a culture gap, or maybe an economic gap. We just don't know how to talk to other people about this. Whatever kind of gap there is, we settle in that. Or maybe we just don't want to rock the boat. You know, if we start talking this God stuff around the people that we've been around and, and people that we don't know, I mean, they may not like us anymore. We just don't want to go there. We want to be accepted. We don't want to cause ripples and ruffles and conflict in any sort of way. And then... There's a whole lot of other things that fill our time. We just don't have the time to do this. Besides, most of our friends are Christians anyway. They already know about Jesus Christ. And the ones that don't wouldn't listen to us anyhow. We can justify that. And we really come to believe those excuses. I've come to appreciate a website. It's called Outside the Walls. And this website is a, a Christian website. It's Christian-based, but not denominationally affiliated with any church. But they say their goal, the purpose of this, is that one person sharing the love of God passionately can change the world. Well, their example for that, of course, is Jesus Christ and the disciples that followed who establishes the church. But they claim that can happen just as powerfully today. And they're so motivated 
that they put up the statistics that motivate. And if you go on their website, they're scrolling all the time, these current statistics about the excuses that we give and the place that it has placed us. For example, 93% of us are very uncomfortable sharing anything about God with our grandchildren. That's a bit startling, isn't it? 93% of us in the church. 75% of us don't believe that sharing any words about God are important to do at all outside of the church. Talking about God is not important. And yet... 76% of first-time church attenders are there because someone invited them. Well, somebody had to share about what God is doing. That's evangelism. We all want to see the world change for the better. And not just the big, expansive world, but Anderson our own families, those places close to us. And it's this gift of God's love that can do that. That's what we have to share. That's what impacts the world. But it's not about building church attendance. That's not what evangelism is about. It's not a membership campaign. Evangelism or sharing God's word, sharing God's message of love is about just that, sharing the life-giving, life-changing message of Jesus Christ, introducing that into people's lives. It just so happens that the church is a place that can continue to help them grow in that. Once you've learned something, if you don't have an opportunity to continue to connect, to continue to grow, you lose it. It doesn't become important in your life. And so the church is that place that can continue to nurture and can continue to build, or it ought to be. If it's not, we need to hear from you so that we can figure out how to do that and do it well. So the church is building up this this core of people who will go out and share this message of Jesus Christ. Our whole denominational purpose is stated in making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. You see, it comes from Jesus' great commission. Unfortunately, 55% of people sitting in church pews around the world, or I'm sorry, around the United States, claim they've never heard of the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. These are the ones in the church. 
And the Great Commission basically is Jesus telling us to go, to live as Christ taught you, to live as I have taught you to live, and to share God's word everywhere, to do both. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, you know, Pastor, there are some people that are really gifted in talking about God. They've got the gift. They've got the knack. I just would rather they do it themselves. You know, that that would just be better off for the whole world if just the people that are good at it do it. You know, there are people who are gifted that way. But no one can tell your story of how God has affected your life but you. It's your unique story that you have to share. That's what we're talking about. Your life your story. Want to draw your attention to your bulletin this morning. I've actually put something in there that uh, is part of this sermon this morning. And that the first part on one of the panels on the inside of the bulletin talks about your story. You are the only one that has it. No one else has a story that connects them to Jesus Christ like you do. Maybe in a similar location, maybe happens similarly, but you were at different places at different times in your life. And it may be a story that will connect with someone you have to share it with. So how do we do this? How do we go about this sharing. First of all, listen to those around you. Those five S's, sincerely listen or sincere listening. What that means is that it is a process. You listen to people where they are. You get to know them. One of the reasons that evangelism has such a bad rap is that folks see Christians as hypocrites. They just slam, bam, tell you the message, out they go, no follow-up, nothing. You're supposed to believe it. In fact, research shows that that kind of sharing God's message is more destructive than it is helpful. The type of evangelism that makes an impact in a life is when you stop to listen. That old cliche that says people don't care what you know until they know you care. That's a part of what we're talking about. Sincere listening. Listening to their stories, listening to where they are in life, listening to what they need and how lost they might be. And then sharing the love that God offers them. That's when they'll hear it. When they know you care. 
I frequent one place in town regularly to eat. I've gotten to know and I try to position myself in her part of the restaurant so that she waits on me all the time, every time I'm there. We've gotten to know each other. We've shared each other's names. And, and I have gotten now to the place where I'll say I'm going to offer my prayer this morning over my meal. What's going on in your life? What can I pray for? Pray to God for you. We've gotten to know each other, and it has taken two years of building that relationship. Even though at the very beginning, she asked me who I was. I've not seen you before. What do you do in town? And I told her she knew right off the bat that I was a pastor, but we couldn't talk about God for about two years. And now it becomes a part of every time I'm in the restaurant. There's a pause. There's a sharing. There's a, there's a will you pray for this? Will you pray for this part, person in my family? Will you pray for me? This is what I'm facing. Eventually, my hope is that sometime we can pray together. That's evangelism, folks. Sincerely listening to people around you. Sincerely listening to their needs, their hopes, their defeats in life. And then show by living. You see, one of the things when, when others call Christians hypocrites, what they're saying is, you talk something different than you walk. You don't practice what you preach. You're not living what you're, the way you're telling me I need to live. You know, folks, that is hypocritical. In fact, we need to be living, part of our witness, an important part of our witness, is to live the way God wants us to live. Now, we're all going to fall short of that, so you can't wait till you're perfect to talk to somebody, right? <laughs> Wouldn't happen. But we also have to be open enough about admitting that we need God's grace for those times we fail miserably or fall away from God. And to be able to admit that as publicly as we proclaim God's love is part of our witness. When we're accused of something, I'm sorry. I wish I hadn't have done that or said that. I apologize to you, and I've asked God to forgive me too. That's evangelism. That's living our faith. Quite frankly, someone who's not willing to do that should not try to share God's word with others. 
because it is hypocritical. If we can't be striving to become who God wants us to be, we shouldn't be trying to direct others to become who God wants them to be either. Doesn't mean we're perfect at it, but we're open about it. To be simple. I'm sorry, I skipped one. Symptom cure. That one I thought would cause some kind of curiosity, but that is in the listening. We are to listen for those things. All of us have things that we are struggling with, that we are frustrated with, that we failed at. Life is just tough. Everybody in the world is struggling with things of their own. The difference for us, something that we have to share that the other, that the rest of the world doesn't give. And that is hope. None of the world religions, none of the others offer genuine hope. First Peter, our book that we were looking at this morning, First Peter says in the first chapter, verse 3, that in his great mercy, in God's great mercy, he has given us new birth in the living hope through Jesus' resurrection. No other religion has that. A living hope because Christ is alive. And what Christ taught us is still relevant and real right now. It's not just a textbook history. It's with us. It's still living among us. A living hope. That's what we can give. That's what the rest of the world is searching for, whether they know it or not. It's that gift of God's love and grace and hope. And then simple. Do Simple things to exhibit your faith. You don't have to be grandiose. In fact, you're much better off if you just practice an everyday evangelism. Just very simply. I was very convicted one year. I was listening to Joyce Myers. Some of you may enjoy her. I kind of find her very interesting sometimes. But she was very convicting talking about living simple faith. And she said, you know, it's as simple as you're, you've parked your car in a Walmart parking lot and you've got this sticker on your bumper that says you're a Christian. And there you leave the shopping cart out in the middle of the parking lot and people are going, yeah, look at them. They, don't, they have no respect for the next car that pulls in or the property of the shopping cart. <laughs> She said, a simple act of faith is to take your cart back where it belongs. <laughs> People see that. They see the simple things that take place. Live simply. And when you talk about 
your story. Make it simple. If they want to know more details, they'll ask. But a simple, I was a wreck. I was lost. My life was in shambles and Christ helped me change that. It took me 10 years and I'm still at work. But I'm better than where I was. Or maybe I have never lived without Jesus Christ. I've always known that God has loved me. I grew up in the church, but you know, there are times where my faith has really been tested. It's really been hard. I've questioned God. I've been angry with God. And God continued to love me right through it. God continued to be present with me right through it all. Make it simple. And then stress God's love. Peter tells us to share what we share in gentleness and with respect. Not telling someone, you know, you're not Christian, you're not going to church, you're going to hell. That's not what Peter is talking about. Peter is telling us to share God's love, both in how we treat one another and what we say to one another. Not just within the church, but beyond. want to leave you with this example. It comes from a book called Everyday Evangelism. The author's name is uh, Einman, and Einman tells this story about a high school student, David, who uh, was working to create a table for his family for Christmas. And he worked very hard during school, and he had created this table, and it was just an exceptional piece of furniture, and he was going to give it to his parents for Christmas. Now, David was a very big young man. He was, he was a formidable young man. You knew David was walking down the hall when David was in the hallway, and yet he was also a very outgoing young man and had a lot of friends. David was also a Christian, and he participated in his church youth group. He left the table at school in order to take it home when vacation, when Christmas vacation was coming around, winter vacation, and so that he could then take it home and surprise his family with the gift. When he went in to pick it up, it was gone. The table had been stolen. Now, David had a lot of friends, and they told him right away who had taken it. It was a little scrawny underclassman. And David had a choice to make. I mean, he could have pummeled the kid and gotten the table back and been home for Christmas with his gift. Instead... David chose 
to get permission to come in the week before Christmas still existed, the teacher would come in with him and he finished a second table. When he had completed the table, he walked it to the scrawny kid's house. And the story is when he knocked on the door and the scrawny kid saw David standing there, he could have just died. He thought David had come to just pummel him. And so he cowered away from the door and David produced a second table and said, here, this one is for your family. In tears, the scrawny kid went and retrieved the first one David had made, gave it back to him. David left and presented his family with their Christmas gift. That act of living out God's love changed the life of the scrawny kid. The scrawny kid began to attend youth group with David and later became a United Methodist pastor. It changed his life. That, folks, is evangelism. That's what Peter is talking about in this book. We don't have to be afraid of persecution. God's on our side. It's going to happen whether we avoid it or share God's message or not. We are all under scrutiny of others. It's going to happen. When we do things in God's name and receive persecution or criticism or in Peter's day, threats of death, God is with us. God will equip us, empower us, protect us. God gives us what we need to share the good news. So I invite you folks to live some everyday evangelism, to share God's love with the world.